there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Yes, the doctor is in, but I don't know if the host is in. Robert Scott Bell, don't know where I am. I've been out of town for uh, more. It feels like I'm Dr. Rasha Bittar traveling as much as I had recently. <laughs> Dr. Bittar, how are you? I'm glad that I'm homeless. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> it sounded like you said you're glad that you're homeless. No, I said uh, <laughs> I'm actually glad that I'm home. Yes. Let's just say it that way. Even though it, it was good, these trips that I, I've been to three different cities and in the last uh, three days, um, but it's nice to be back home. Uh, it's been an intense last couple of days, and I know it's been the same way with you because you've also lecturing in uh, in Atlanta. I was lecturing in a different place, and then on to Dallas. And it's always like a whirlwind after you give a couple of lectures, and then that energetic, you know, shift that occurs, and yes, getting a little bit under the weather type of thing. So all that has occurred recently. So I'm just uh, recovering from the trip. Yeah, well, Liam Sheff was on yesterday after being with you briefly at the conference in Bremen with Jim Hover, and uh, he told stories on you. <laughs> he, but he was he was actually so grateful for you uh, and, and your you know your praise of what he has done with official stories that uh, he couldn't stop gushing. He says, "I can't believe that, Doctor Batar. He was so nice. He just kept going on and on." Oh, the book is a great book, and it really does help to remove the religiosity aspect of uh, the historical perspective. And, you know, when people have gone through something, yes. and like a vaccine injury child or, or a patient that has been diagnosed with HIV, a fa- family member, or whatever the case is, and then they are made aware of the true facts, and then they have to deal with the rest of the family, society, doctors, friends, neighbors, and try to explain some of this information to them that is so foreign. There's there's a battle that has to ensue. And I think that it's important for an individual that has become aware of the truth to at least understand how the historical perspective or how the history of how that myth was created before it became religion, before everybody accepted it as the only truth and there was no other... Uh, interpretation of what could possibly be out there, it's important for them to kind of realize and understand how that myth was created or how it came into being or what the motivation behind that myth was or what the agenda of the people that created that myth in the first place was. And I think that book, Liam's book, creates that solution or, or provides that solution, I should say, to fill that gap that is really devoid. Because I may understand something right. historically uh, about the vaccines, for example, or for on HIV, but I certainly could not have as eloquently and as precisely with all the historical facts and names and dates, right. the way Liam outlines it, it's all provided there. So it's a great little reference manual, yes. and it's a lot easier just to take the book and hand it to somebody and say, look, if you really want to know the truth, read this book. Yeah, oh, I, I find myself doing that as well. I mean, in my lecture at the uh, Weston Price uh, scenario, the only the only I say blowback. It wasn't really bad because people were digging it. 
But when I hit those issues of the HIV not causing AIDS, that always stirs the pot a little bit. And they're like, wait a second, what do you mean? And I had some struggle. A doctor came to me, was, was a little, he said, I loved your lecture, but I just, uh, you know, I can't wrap my head around that. What do you mean? And of course, we say step back from the, uh, say, window pane of HIV and look at the folks that are ailing and dying that have immune deficiency because nothing I said. Nothing even Liam writes denies the reality of immune challenges, immune deficiency, immune collapse even. And when you look at it, you step away from HIV, suddenly you go, oh, let me just look at reasons why this may be happening. And suddenly it can make sense. Right. I mean, he clearly states in the book that acquired immune deficiency syndrome, AIDS, is a real scenario. But how it was created and the multifactorial Mm -hmm. basis that creates this particular situation, scenario, medical diagnosis that we refer to as AIDS is the ideology of it is what his point is. And I think, again, that's a very, very powerfully played, powerfully presented, historically precise component, like the story of Gallo and what he did and how he did it and you know what his motivation was and how he was ridiculed. And of course, he should have been ridiculed because of what he did, but his discovery of the so-called HL23V virus, which was originally for his ego-driven cancer viral hunting type component where he was trying to create this solution to the war on cancer that was declared by Nixon and how he takes that HLV23V virus and tries to concoct it into this cancer-causing virus, whereas in fact his peer group destroyed what he did because it was all made up. It was all uh, taking two proteins and creating this reaction and by creating this reaction saying that he had found a new virus, whereas in fact there was no virus. It was just protein matter. But I won't go into all the details because you can read the book and get a much better understanding of what I'm talking about. But those type of components that we're talking about, that type of historical fact that people don't know and don't realize even occurred and how that led to the actual eventual discovery of the HIV and how it was then correlated with AIDS and the actual component that led to AIDS. I mean, two hugely diametrically opposed situations and scenarios that you would never even think would even parallel. And yet, it was a perfect opportunity for anybody who wanted to, to misrepresent the truth and create an illusion that would allow industry to continue going without any consequence for their actions and blame it on a virus, blame right. it on something that, you know, can't be sued, as, as Liam yes, says. Exactly. Think, as you, said, you, you can't sue a virus. Yeah, you could, if we were to look at industry, if we were to look at the pharmaceutical industrial complex, the uh, biotech fields of pesticide production, you know, these, these products that uh, rain death and destruction around the planet, uh, the companies could and should be liable, and normally in a, in a sane world they would be, but the sleight of hand, and this is, these are magic tricks, no less than that, have basically taken them off the realm of liability. There is none, and now placed it in a realm where nobody, as you just said so well, as Liam said, you can't sue the virus. You can't sue the so-called pathogen. But that history is left unspoken, unwritten, and then at that point, you now have assumptions. And so the medical community that you know really perceives that it is rooted in science has leapt from assumptions that are not rooted in science. And so, you know what I'm saying? It's sort of like that illusion has become so real that when you question it, they, they think you're the one questioning the science. And we're, we're questioning their, their dogmatic, religious, or cult-like beliefs. 
And that's exactly right, Robert. In fact, it brings to mind a situation that just recently occurred with a couple of different doctors that have inquired about a certain component that we do, and they want to get more information based on a technology that is a diagnostic technology. And I shared with you a little bit about this, and in fact, I think it's probably pertinent to read the email. Sure. Uh, do you think we should do that? Because I think yeah. it's, even though we won't, uh, we won't disclose who the... Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I think it's good because here we come to a mindset, if you will. Our bottom line, my bottom line, yours, the the healers I respect, they really care more for the patient and and innovating to help them to get well, to empower them to do so. Yet there are those, like the guy, the medical doctor came up to me, was struggling with the vaccine issue and the AIDS issue. It's like, no, no, let go of the dogma and see it for what it is because you're in... I'd say, in theory, at least, you're, you're intelligent enough to do that, but are you willing to do it? Are you willing to let go? And here's the case in point, which you're going to relate now, a letter of, I believe, someone who's struggling with that concept. So I'll read this letter, Robert, because exactly what you just said, it's so important that I believe we open this can of worms up, and at least for some of those people out there, some of the doctors that may be listening, hopefully help them to also transition beyond whatever this obstacle is. But I think it's very it's very telling. It's very telling. No, honestly, when you read, you get the insight of how the mind is working. Uh, and the, I guess you almost call it structural limitations. People have built walls that you can't penetrate, even though they might have a, you know, an overt statement. I want to help my patients. Well, except only unless if you do this for me or something. So I won't read the first part of the email because it really wasn't pertinent. But here's the pertinent part. My question is, how do you define what... Car- what normal reference ranges are, and what are supposed to be for each nutrient and for each toxin. When I asked this question at the AMMG conference, I was told that you use the same ranges as have been used for urine tests, but that still doesn't explain to me how these ranges came to be determined, since for all I know, the ranges for urine samples were not properly derived. If you can convince me, this is an interesting word there, if you can convince me that the ranges are an accurate reflection of what a healthy person should have in their tissue, then you will have captured my attention. Thank you, Dr. So-and-so. Then there's a very nice response that's sent to him, and it basically says that uh, there are five different conferences where this information is being presented. Uh, unfortunately, the person that was answering this said, I'm not a, a physician, I'm not a researcher, I can only give you this information, and all your questions are answered there. And so he goes on to say that he's talk, he's talked to a couple of different doctors that are using the technology. They haven't given him a satisfactory answer. It says, if you wish for this technology to become the future of diagnostic testing with integrated physicians, especially for those who think of themselves and who represent the future of this industry, then please spend some time to address my questions. So far, none of your representatives can explain to me why I should have faith in your selection of what you consider as a normal reference range for the various minerals and supplements. This makes me doubt the validity of your testing. My colleagues have voiced similar questions. So then there's another very nice response that's sent to him, and the response is essentially that you guys are going to have to do what you do, and I have to do what's best for my patients, and that's it. Now, what's amazing is that the attitude is best for my patients, and yet not taking the time that's necessary to learn the information because part of that part of his response was when he was given references to watch some videos online i don't have time to watch the videos online so he's saying that he has he's looking out for the best interest of his patients but he's not willing to spend 10 minutes to watch a video that helps to explain what his issue is you know it's almost like 
give me something give me that give me that hit of crack cocaine so i can get my fix or or just arguing for the sake of argumenting or well, it sounds like a, a spoon feeding scenario i want to be spoon fed what don't just don't make me work for it too hard listen we got to take a break it's advanced medicine monday on the robert scott bell show veterans day we'll talk about that as well when we come back from this break the robert scott bell show Hello, this is Jonathan Wagner. We have an internet website, www.choosetobehealthy.com, that carries many of the products discussed on Robert's show, including the 100% whole food chromium and selenium, silica, as well as sovereign silver and Nordic naturals. Choosetobehealthy.com features the Rolls-Royce of probiotics. It's Dr. O'Hara's probiotics. Dr. O'Hara, a world-renowned microbiologist, formulated a unique probiotic that blends ancient Japanese fermentation methods with 21st century technology. No refrigeration is needed. Dr. O'Hara's probiotics contains the strongest lactic acid bacteria known to man based on scientific laboratory research. 6.25 times stronger. Quite simply, it works and works very well. So go to our website, www.choosetobehealthy.com, or call us toll-free, 866-424-1077. That's 866-424-1077. We're here to help. In the health world to the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. You know, it's a difficult concept we're discussing to some degree. If you're not in the doctoring realm, although it probably we could find parallels, Dr. Batar, in almost any profession of those that adhere to dogma but have never gone back to the origination points, thinking that, well, we don't need to because it's already established. And, you know, you're bringing up new technologies. We've talked about these things, integrating this, success with patients. And, you know, a doctor says, I'm all about my patients, but I'm not willing to go and learn just a little bit more about the basis of, of, of technological advancements that are legitimate, that don't dehumanize, that actually acknowledge what you have seen clinically. Talking about, for instance, urinary, urinary reference ranges to nutrients or metals, and it's based on the same thing that has been working for many years now. Right. And in fact, you know, this is something that we've been doing for many years, but now we've seen even a greater advance using a new diagnostic therapy where we've been able to, as you've seen, Robert, yourself with your own eyes, a woman that was in a wheelchair for four and a half years at the advanced medicine seminar in in Charlotte that we had. You remember that woman that walked up to the front? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was like this guy would go, well, uh, I have no time to watch this woman stand up and walk across the room to prove that she's she was confined to a wheelchair for four years and told that she had... Uh, end-stage diabetes, and she's morbidly obese, because, and her high blood pressure and her MS diagnosis would not allow her to actually ever recover because she was a train wreck. I mean, this is the type of scenario we're talking about, and yet, in less than two months, this woman has had a transformation. She's losing body fat. I mean, she's still morbidly obese, but she's losing body fat. Her hemoglobin A1Cs come down. Her blood pressure is not an issue. She's on no blood pressure medication anymore, and she's out of her freaking wheelchair. Now, this is an important component that we have found to have allowed us to get this type of a result in the patient. And this doctor who keeps on talking about the reference ranges, reference ranges, reference ranges, and then when you tell him, give him resources, and he says, well, I don't have time to watch these videos, 
how can you be about your patient and be focused in on the reference range when the issue is a do- patient never comes to a doctor and says, hey, I want to be within the normal reference range. Right. They come to a doctor because they want to get better. Yeah, well, I, well, exactly. So I hope that people understand that and take this, the spirit of this conversation. And it isn't about ignoring science and reference ranges, but you have a, a valid, uh, let's say, starting point. You've been utilizing it for many years. You in- integrate a new technology that fits within that same realm, only enhances your ability to work with these folks in a non-invasive, completely non-toxic way. And it's extraordinary what's happening in that you know, people still fight to hold on. Like the doctor talking to me, I just, this age, I, you just went too far for me. And I know, step back from it. Step back from the dogma. Look at immune deficiency with the eyes of what may be causing it. Pretend there's no such thing as HIV, because in, in many ways there might not be. But, and then you start asking the, the right questions. You go back to toxicology. You go back to deficiency. You go back to all of the things that we know that we've got a target to get folks well. Well, Robert, I think that part of this also today so far hasn't been so much for the listeners. It's been more like therapy to you know cleanse your soul so you come out and you voice the thing that's been frustrating you for the last 24 hours. So maybe that's what I was doing because I just got a couple of these emails about people asking some of these questions. Now, of course, I should be focused in on the 90% of incredible responses that we've gotten from clinicians right, right. and how they're grateful and this information has provided a, a new viewpoint that they previously didn't have, a new perspective that they had not even considered before. So I should be really focused on that. But, you know, sometimes it's that one or two people that don't get it that you want to try to bring around. So right. for the listeners, I appreciate their Indulgence. indulging me yes. and, and providing the therapy that I needed so that I can voice it. That's beautiful. This is a, a radio argentum nitricum, the homeopathic remedy for frustration, right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show with Dr. Rashid Batar. Listen, you know, we had some very exciting times. I know this is a short segment here, but I also do I do want to talk about the Veterans Day issue because just like we go to the heart of the, of the healing issues and we're not, a, we're not afraid to dive into controversial territory. I, you know, when I hear all of the platitudes being said, thank you to all our veterans for fighting to make us free, to keep us free, fighting for our freedoms. And I'm sorry, but, but I'm going to say, listen, I want the veterans to march on Washington or do something to say, stop the unconstitutional wars and occup- occupations of foreign lands, bring the troops home. Now we'll be honoring veterans, in my opinion. Well, Robert, I kind of disagree with you there uh, because no veteran or any service member has ever gone in knowing that they were fighting an unjust war or fighting a politician's or a banker's war. Right. They were given orders, and like good soldiers, they followed those orders. So they were victims in as much as anybody could be a victim. Um, I think that maybe the better way of saying is thank you for for having served. Like my daughter just texted me today mm-hmm. and said, you know, thank you for uh, your service, Dad. Sure. And so that, that's a nice thing for the veterans, but the thing is that when we talk about it irking us yes. that veterans are being thanked, you have to be—you have to remember that they have to be thanked for having served, not whether they did something right or wrong, because they weren't in control of the right and wrong. The bastards that sure. are in control of that are the politicians, the bankers that created this issue. Right. Hey, well, Dr. Vitar, let's continue this discussion on the other side of the break. We'll have more time. I definitely want to dive headlong into this. So stand by. Lots more healing to go with Dr. Rasha Bittar. It is Advanced Medicine Monday. The Robert Scott Bell In the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. We are acknowledging uh, all those who have served, as Dr. Batar was just describing here. 
uh, Advanced Medicine Monday. Of course, Dr. Batar, you did serve in the armed forces. We've, we've, we've talked some stories. You've told us some stories on the air. And of course, we've talked off the air about it. And I know when I, when I bring this topic up, it is with no, no means or intent to disrespect those who have served. But the concern for the next generation of veterans, that they're not thrown into scenarios that one day we'll have to look back on and say, darn it, why did we do that? Why were we duped? How were we so gullible that we fell for another lie that sent us into um, a wars that are not, as I said, substantiated in terms of the reasons we were there, much less having a constitutional basis for them? Does that make sense? Because my concern is genuine for them. Well, I, it does make sense, Robert, but I think that the aim of the concern should be redirected. And what I mean by that is that when it's bred into us that you should champion freedom in the name of God and country and that you're a patriot if you serve. And so the younger generation that want that are patriotic, that do want to serve God and country, they do this. They go into the military thinking what they're doing is right. And to talk to them about unjust wars, it's a misdirected aim of, of our frustration because it should be towards the system that propagandizes freedom and love of God and country and equates that to serving in the military and fighting an unjust war is my point. Right, right. Yeah, I know. It's, I, I struggle with how to communicate this. And I'm, you know, I am a, a communicator by, by what I have to do. And yet there are certain things when we tackle them that are emotional as such because I'm you know, raised as a patriotic American and I do love the country and the ideals upon which it was founded. But we have been very vocal and open about our, you know, literally over-discussed for those who are running it right now, as well as those who would send our men and women in the armed forces into harm's way based on lies. And so th- th- that's, you know, even... And th- that's, that's a common thing. You and I are, you know, completely 100% parallel on that. I agree with you completely. But, you know, when you and I are sitting down for a Thanksgiving meal or Christmas meal, mm-hmm. uh, when we sponsor the Turkey Trot every year, which is a uh, it's a half a marathon, a 10K, and a 5K race that we have put on here in the Lake Norman area where my office is for the last, I don't know, seven years. The one thing that I always do, because I'm always asked to say a few words before the runners start to run, which is essentially for our uh, – because we sponsor the race for our sponsorship. Yes. I always ask how many people served in the military, and then I ask for you know, 15, 20-second silence for a prayer for all the soldiers – that can't be with their families on Thanksgiving Day, on Christmas Day, on different holidays that we all take for granted. Because I've been there and I know what it felt like. Right. And I, so I want everybody to recognize them for that component. Now, that doesn't mean that I agree with what all the all the soldiers are doing in all these different countries. And I certainly didn't agree. I mean, I, I have done things in the name of God and country that I now realize that I was duped into doing. But mm-hmm. it's not the focus of talking to the veterans and taking away from what they have already done or what they've suffered. It doesn't serve anybody. What it really needs to be done, kind of like what you said, the, the veterans need to be the ones who take this day when it, and the attention is on them yes. and redirect the attention to, you know, to the bastards in, yes. in the capital that have right. pushed it. Not only them, but then their children and their grandchildren into other future similar conflicts. And that's where we need to really emphasize the situation. Well said. Well said. You know, what if they threw a war and nobody showed up, right? I mean, of course, that's the ultimate uh, disobedience to so-called the the chain of command. Uh, But we go back into uh, Nuremberg arenas, and I don't want to equate, you know, the Nazification of what happened in Germany to what's happened here. But then again, there has been some evidence uh, put out there that they're uh, litmus testing some of these folks. Would you be willing to disarm or or fire on the American people? 
uh, she Absolutely. Could be in fact, so. that's, that's the new criteria for promotion that they are asked if they would be willing to fire on a fellow American citizen. And if they are not willing to fire on a fellow American citizen, that is a criteria that's used to prevent them from being promoted. Yeah, so I mean that's the the wholesale corruption of the integrity of having a military, a defense, an armed force to defend, much like our immune cells would defend us when called on to serve. And in that way, we have an appropriate need. But when when you say to the soldier, you have to be willing to become part of an autoimmune disease in America, that goes well beyond the scope of a constitutional form of service. That was a very nice analogy, bringing military and bringing the immune system, the human physiology, into, uh, into a parallel, Robert. That was very nicely done. And actually, having said what you just did, that's one of the reasons that I joined an organization called Oath Keepers. Um, I haven't really begun to participate yet. I haven't even got my membership information, but I actually joined a lifetime membership because I believe that if anybody has served in law enforcement, has served in the military, then they truly know what it means to serve and they served for the right purpose not that everybody not that every soldier is a good person and serve with the right motivation or real law enforcement officers but my point is most people that go into those types of professions or, or provide that type of service have done so because of a desire to want to help just like most doctors want to help when they go into the profession what happens once you get there may be a totally different uh, scenario than what you expected but the general desire to want to do good was there and if our goal when we went into the military or into law enforcement was to protect and to serve and in the case of the military to take an oath to first and foremost uh, to defend against all enemies foreign and domestic then we have to understand that there's a reason that the forefathers put that word domestic in there right and you you just made a very interesting comment you said that you don't want to make a parallel between what happened in Germany and what's happening in the U.S., but yet there have been some parallels. Well, look at this. I, when I was flying back yesterday, mm-hmm. something hit me. I saw the seal, and it said, um, U.S. Department of Homeland Security. Right. And for the first time it hit me, what did the Germans call their land during their war? The fatherland, the, big the homeland. The, 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 they call it the motherland or the, the, fatherland? the fatherland or the, the homeland. I mean, there are a lot of parallels in how they've orchestrated this suddenly. Something that was so is so not need not constitute. It would never exist. This idea of a Department of Homeland Security like that. So yes, the parallels are eerie, and I don't yeah, like right. to discuss them, but we must. Well, we must. Yes, and in fact, I think the Russians when they did the same thing, they referred it to as the motherland. Correct? Right. That's correct. So you see these interesting. Homeland, motherland, fatherland, not all countries. In fact, I don't ever remember hearing the word homeland in the United States No, up until the last 10, 12 years, right? No, it's true. I mean, that's the whole thing of, of the movement of the authoritarian uh, status, if you will, uh, after 9-11. Again, this, you know, we come back to Liam's bo- wonderful book, Official Stories, as he picks apart that whole official story about 9-11, how it set the stage for many of the things. But going back, like, it, like Ty Bollinger, you love it when he does it, back to the Flexner Report of 1910. So people see that we can pick on the politics of any given president we may or may not like, like Bush or Obama. 
and it, it kind of muddies the waters to recognize that what was what they did or were able to do, whether you like it or not, was the stage was set a hundred years prior, and that's the whole point of what we're talking about here—the historical precedent that occurs long before you recognize it, and so you assume based on the dogma of science of medicine that HIV causes AIDS because you never go back to the original point and see what kind of garbage was happening then. Yeah, and then of course you start looking at the incestuous relationships between all the different people that have actually led the country all the way back 100 years, 150 years, you know, all the cousins and, and uncles and aunts and, and how the, I had no idea until I read Liam Sheff's book, how all the presents have been related some way, fashion or form, you know, going back 100 years and how a lot of the congressional people, a lot, a lot of the uh, people who served at the head of the CIA, the secretaries of state, the various cabinet members, how they bounced around between cabinets and CIA, FBI, going to into Congress or into becoming president, it's it's amazing. I mean, I didn't realize, but Robert, you correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. that George Bush Sr., wasn't he a member or I think he headed up the CIA before he became president? Oh, yeah, yeah, head of the, head of the CIA, in fact. So, you know, this kind of uh, lineage of uh, control, uh, no question uh, at this How point. How many people know that? How many people know that Bush Sr. headed up the CIA before he became president? And here's my bigger question. What qualification does the head of the CIA have to become president or vice versa? And why are all these people acting in these different you know, capacities? That's why I refer to it as incestuous because right. they're just taking a person and heading one division and then moving them over to another division. And it's just moving things around in different orders. It's almost like if you do your tenure in this area and tenure in that area, then you will eventually become president. Look at Hillary. Hillary is a president's wife, an ex-president's wife, but she's acting as secretary of state. Now, we know she ran for president herself. But again, it goes out so much more. I thought this was, these were isolated situations, one or two different people that had multi-tasked and had done different uh, positions or served in different positions. But it's actually this way throughout those 540, 50, 60 members of Congress and the cabinet, how they just bounce around within the same arena. Yeah, and this is the point where some folks would say, you know, Dr. Batar, you know, Robert Scabell, all you see conspiracies everywhere. It's like, well, if you look at what Dr. Batar just said about incestuous aspects or even the revolving door between, for instance, FDA, CDC, Big Pharma, Big Vaccine, what do you call that if not a conspiracy? It's like, uh, oops, it was an accident. Every time we hire somebody up that was, was being regulated, and now it becomes the regulator. I mean, and going through the control of government, there is an agenda. It's been written about, historically validated and verified. But the old media, again, the propaganda, the lies, the programming, leads people to say, wait a second, you can't question that. I mean, even though in other areas of their lives they would acknowledge this, there are certain areas that they want to keep blinders on. Yeah, and I think uh, bringing up Liam's book again, he makes a very interesting correlation when he was talking about the children that had been born of parents that had AIDS and they were, or HIV, supposedly were tested HIV positive and were taken into orphanages uh, and they were experimented on. All those kids that he talks about, how the kids would refuse to take the medicines and then they would be forced to take the medicines by nasogastric tubes and or by having holes cut in their stomach and having peg tubes inserted and then being fed through the JPEG tubes. And it was really interesting that he said this was an incredible atrocity committed against these children, yet it was called science and research. And yet, if somebody else had kidnapped a child or, you know, they, they not even kidnapped a child, but just 
done anything, uh, uh, whether it was a uh, child abuse, which again, I'm not, believe me, I'm not trying to say the child abuse or kidnapping a child is right, obviously. I'm saying that they would have been hung out to dry, but these doctors that had killed four, five, six hundred kids tortured them for their entire lives. And most of these kids died, and the few that, that did survive that brought it to light, nobody even questions it because it was in the name of science. So because it had that label of the dogma, the religious, religiosity of the research label on it, it was fine. But you can go out there and do it to one child, and you'd be ostracized. So it's exactly the way you just said it, how the media portrays it, right. how it's presented, whether it's sugar-coated and then it becomes digestible. Hold on. Stand by, Dr. Patel. Just- We're on another break here. We're going to wrap up Advanced Medicine Monday, Veterans Day edition after this. Uh, Dr. Raja Bittar, Robert Scott Bell, be right back. Live around the world, the Robert Scott Robert Bell Show. Scott Bell Show. Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. Well, there goes another Advanced Medicine Monday, Dr. Batar, where we kind of had some thoughts about where it would go and ended up going in extraordinarily different areas, but fascinating nonetheless to discuss these things. And we didn't even, we didn't even talk about what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> I don't even remember what you wanted to talk about now. <laughs> I, I want to bring up the aspect of the subconscious mind and the conscious mind and how the body is divided into these two different components. And I don't know, do we have time to talk about it? We can maybe do it real quick. Yeah, we got five minutes. That's that's cool. Sure. That'll be a great way All to right, wrap so, up. Well, uh, apologies for every, to everybody if uh, we went off on a tangent that nobody expected us to. But again, like Robert says, we always end up in places where we never expected. And hopefully it was to some some people's benefit. But and, and, we're, and we're both exhausted out of our minds, so cut us some slack here, all right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing I want to talk about was how the conscious mind processes 2,000 bits of data per second, whereas the subconscious mind, which encompasses the entire physical body, it, the subconscious mind regulates how you're breathing, your heart rate, etc., etc. So if you look at all those components, the subconscious is actually responsible for processing 400 million data points per second. So you're looking at 2,000 versus 400 million. And this is an important component for people to understand. There is a technology that's out there. It's not necessarily new. It's been out there for a couple of years. And we've been using it. And I actually lectured about this on the Saturday in Dallas. Uh-huh. And just tremendous response that we, we are having clinically, but other people also having it. And the, the use of sound, how sound is actually utilizing the entire body's physiology um, certain frequencies and certain components and this technology is called Evox and I am just really really excited about it and, and I've seen certain things I've been using in some more patients recently I've used it myself and for people that may have an interest in getting this information learning more about this particular technology I would encourage them to get on the internet and look up about it and I'm, I can't say enough about it. It's really, really fantastic. You know, I want to add just something to the subconscious mind, conscious mind discussion, because I have this oftentimes with homeopaths that are very dogmatic about utilizing one single remedy at a time and nothing more than that, uh, recognizing that, as you said, the subconscious mind, life itself is happening at levels that our, our conscious minds cannot even fathom 
We can't consciously think of all the things that are occurring simultaneously. We're not talking 100 or 1,000 or 10,000. We're talking about millions of operations happening simultaneously to regulate up, down, right, left, all of these things. And then a homeopath would say, well, we can't put more than one remedy in at a time. It will overwhelm the system. It's like, dude, you have got to be freaking out of your conscious mind to say that. you got to think about what, how, <laughs> what, what is really happening here. Yeah, because here's the thing about the subconscious mind. If we can program our bodies to respond automatically to certain things, just, just imagine how much easier life would be. It's consciously we have to think about, oh, we got to drink so much water. Consciously we have to think about we got to make sure we work out today. Consciously we think about keeping up with schedules, doing this, that, the other, whatever we have to accomplish. Whereas if it was all done in the subconscious mind, you, do you think about when you're walking? Do you think about the mm-hmm. level of coordination that your body has to exert when you're running? Do you think about the, the heart rate and the and the breathing and all these other various physiological processes that are synchronized. Do you think about that consciously to try to make sure that your heart and your lungs are working and the kidneys and everything else? No, of course you don't. It's all happening. Well, that's because the subconscious is actually taking care of it. It's it's being done all automatically. And to automate any certain component that's difficult for a person from a health standpoint, i.e., eating the right way. How many people eat because it's a, it's a comfort thing to do. It's an emotional response that when we eat. Well, I know that I've had that tendency myself. I know that many people have that tendency whenever they feel n- not well mm-hmm. that, they, that they eat. Well, these are all components that can be actually changed and, done, and changed very easily where, in my opinion, this technology essentially negates a therapist, negates a psychiatrist. We have seen things, Robert, that are just amazing where you – Adjust a person's perception. It all comes down to belief and perception. And if I adjust your perception, by definition, everything around you will also change. To you, you'll think that everybody else changed, but everybody else didn't change. You changed. And when you change, your energy changes. When your energy changes, it changes everybody around you. And it's amazing what the consequences are. It's just phenomenal. Well, that's as perfect of a place to wrap up today. Another fascinating discussion with Dr. Batar. Of course, uh, it is Veterans Day. I want to acknowledge and thank, thank you for your service. And again, appreciate your indulgence. And the way we discuss these things, it really, uh, I, I think it doesn't happen very often in the media and the way we're able to get together, Dr. Batar. Also, uh, neglected for those of you who are new to get Dr. Batar's book. We talked a lot about Liam's book, but The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, international bestseller. It's available. We've got the links up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. Thanks to Natural News Radio for playing the uh, archives as well as Medical Rewind. You want to plug in. We've got to go. But the remembrance is today also that the power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott Bell Show.